Hey, this is CJ Burroughs, Next Gen Pastor at First Baptist Church in Alachua, Florida, and you're listening to the Youth Ministry in Motion podcast. Thank you, CJ. Appreciate you being a part of the show today with your intro. And uh, CJ is also an admin over on our Facebook group, which I'm going to talk about here in just a little bit. Uh, so I want to thank CJ for being an admin. I'm going to be posting uh, a poll up there in a little while. Uh, let you know what that's about in a second as well. But if you're a very first time listener, thanks for joining the program. Appreciate you being a part today, loaning me your ears for a little while to talk about a very important subject called youth ministry, how to get better at it, how to keep yourself motivated and your youth ministry moving forward. That's what this show is about. Every time I get on the mic, that's what it's about. It's about helping you, the youth worker, get better at what you do. I want you to stay in the game longer. And I want you to be able to uh, find some tips and ideas that are going to help you progress your youth ministry forward, making more disciples, not just converts, more disciples, and building a program that is sustainable that uh, that you're going to be proud of, that you're going to be happy with, that you're going to feel like, yeah, God's moving in this thing and we're making progress. We're not talking about perfection here. We're, We're talking about just making progress. And that's what it's about. It's about making progress every week. So, all right. So let's uh, get down to the youth ministry motion metrics. And uh, this is going to be the poll, by the way, over on Facebook. This may be, uh, I'll get back to it, but this may be for a little while, I'm going to lay off the motion metrics. I love doing shout outs, but I need something new. So I'm going to tell you to go on over to uh, the Facebook group. There'll be a link down in the show notes. What would you like to hear at the beginning? I mean, do you want dad jokes? I mean, do you, do you want like the top 10 songs in the world? Do you, what do you want? I, I'd like to hear from you. So please leave me your comment over there. So today's motion metrics from Lincoln. Now I can only suppose that's Lincoln, Nebraska. It's the only Lincoln I know. So Lincoln, Nebraska, shout out to you. Thank you for listening from Lincoln, uh, Birmingham where I'm at. Thank you for listening in the Birmingham area. Appreciate you listening. Uh, and then Moscow. And I'm, I'm sensing that this is not. It could be. There could be a Moscow somewhere in America. I don't know where that is. Uh, but that, I think, goes over then to the top countries they're listening. Those are the top cities they're listening. Top countries uh, are going to be Russia, which I guess that's where the Moscow is from. So shout out to you, Moscow. I hope you're doing good youth ministry there in um, in the Russian Federation. That's where uh, you are listening from, it says. Um, also, U.S., as usual, you are uh, there listening, of course. And Indonesia. I want to thank you so much for listening in Indonesia. I hope that no matter where you're listening at, that you are doing great youth ministry. Today we have on the show Bobby Jackson. Bobby Jackson is the founder of Rally Point Ministries, and he is going to be sharing about his program, Regroup. And there's tons of resources on his website at rallypointmen.com. We'll get into all that a little bit later. But before we get into that, I just want to share a quick plug uh, for a couple of things. Number one, if you're getting ready for fall, and I hope you are, uh, you should be by now. It is it is June. If you're not ready for fall yet, it's a good time to get ready. And if you haven't set your goals yet, maybe you don't even know what your goals are, I have a great course for you called Squad Goals. And Squad Goals is all about, it's a seven-day email course. You take it at $7 for seven days, and every day you get a lesson in your email. There's a devotion 
there's a lesson and a worksheet that you work through to be able to reach the goals that you're trying to set. You don't, like I said, you don't even know maybe what your goals are, but through this process, you may discover what your goals are. And then throughout the uh, course, you're going to find out how to achieve those goals. So if that is of interest of you, please go to the link down in the show notes, check it out. And I think it will be greatly beneficial to you. Like I said earlier, today on the show, our guest is Bobby Jackson, and Bobby Jackson is the founder of Rally Point Ministries. Uh, he is a pastor, licensed therapist, leader in the field of student care. Bobby has spent over 16 years developing programs and training leaders to help hurting people find healing. He holds a BA in youth ministry from Moody Bible Institute and a master's degree in social work from the University of Chicago. First of all, Bobby, welcome to the show, and let's start things off by you uh, just sharing with our audience a little bit about your youth ministry history. I mean, you can go back as far as you want to go back. You can go, you know, if you were a youth group kid, let's, you could start there if you want. But just give, uh, give our folks a uh, perspective, paint a picture for us of what kind of youth ministry you come from and what kind of youth ministry you did. I was a, uh, I mean, deep youth group kid, like way in deep. I was homeschooled. So uh, youth group for me was my primary social outlet. Um, all of my friends in middle school and most of high school were from the youth group. And so like every time there was youth group function, I was not only there, I was there early. I was there to set up. I was there during the day when my friends were at school helping whatever youth pastor. Um, so yeah, I was in deep. I was into the kiss dating goodbye culture, all of that stuff. In fact, I convinced the girl I liked that she should stop dating the guy she liked at a lock-in. Like I was that kid. I was super in with youth group, which is actually part of how I ended up in youth ministry was um, I, I actually had some kind of rough experiences with my youth pastors who uh, I had two back-to-back -back youth pastors leave really suddenly. Um, the first one I found out later was for a moral reason. And the second one, I never really got an explanation. Um, and so I remember in high school feeling like like that, uh, the role models that I had idealized them to be, um, somebody should try to be, like try to be consistent and, and that sort of thing. So I actually went to my undergrad with the plan of being in youth ministry. Um, and, and then there's a, a lot of pieces that kind of came in between, but I, I, uh, I was in the military for a bit to help pay for school, um, ended up getting derailed going on a couple of tours to Iraq, um, coming back and jamming four years of college into eight, but ended up in, in youth ministry um, in, yeah, a little over a decade ago. So I did about uh, uh, eight years of volunteer youth ministry um, and then eight years of paid youth ministry. And then I, uh, while, while youth pastoring, got a master's in counseling, and now I work as a uh, licensed therapist, um, focusing on 12 to 25-year-olds. Uh, and then, as you know, um, and we'll talk, I'm sure, a bit about, we launched a, a ministry that has the focus of helping um, work with and equip uh, ministry leaders who want to help the hurting people in their ministries. So that's that's the very, very short version of 20 years. And thank you for sharing that, Bobby. I try to make sure that everybody that comes on the program has, you know, some youth ministry in their blood somewhere, but you got a lot of blood. You got, you got a lot of, you got a lot of youth ministry in there. And I want to say thank you for, for serving as a youth pastor and for uh, investing in the lives of kids, which eventually uh, led you to start 
Rally Point Ministries, and I would love to hear about that journey and uh, tell our listeners what Rally Point uh, Ministries is all about. The real starting point of Rally Point was a year that, so I was a youth pastor at a big church in in the Chicagoland suburbs, kind of like the ideal youth ministry job, like the job you go to college and like idealize. So I was like, literally, it was like all of the things, right? I had the the cute wife that you used to say, it was used to be cool to say she was hot. Like I had that, I had the goatee, like <clears throat> everything was going as planned. And then one year I decided that it was a cool idea to teach a message series for summer camp on the emotions of Jesus. And I thought, man, my kids are just going to love this. It's going to really get, you know, my emo kids engaged. And what I didn't count on was the transformative effect it would have on me. And the honest truth is it, is it, it wrecked my life. Because while I was, you know, at a, at a, at a large church, you, uh, you prep for summer camp in November, December, and then you preach it in June. So I had to sit in these passages for seven months. And as I sat in those passages, what I, um, what I began to internalize was the fact that Jesus was constantly gentle, compassionate, heartbroken, weeping for people who were hurting. And he was always mad at people like me, which by that I mean uh, uh, people, uh, leaders in positions of authority, especially religious leaders who liked it too much. And, um, and, I, and, I, and it started to really hit like I was really good at hanging out with the cool kids and, um, and I was good at creating these fun programs, but um, I, I realized I wasn't really focusing my ministry on the people that Jesus would have. And, and, I, and I saw the split starting to happen in my own kind of my own soul of, of going down the cool pastor route. And, and I felt the conviction um, that I needed to kind of make a change. So I, I, I went to my wife and I said, um, her name's Elizabeth. I said, Elizabeth, like God's working on me and I, I need you to start praying so that we're, we're aligned when whatever this is, I didn't know what the change was going to be, um, came down, but she prayed harder and faster. So she came back to me and said, Hey, I think God's telling us we need to be foster parents. And I was like, Whoa, 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 that wasn't it. I was talking professionally outside of my house. So that was the first change we actually made was we started to go through foster care um, classes and became foster parents. Um, it inspired us to get into uh, a deeper level of school ministry, which is what you're talking about with the belay ministry. And um, and then we launched Regroup, which is a a program um, for the for the young people, the young adults in our ministry that are struggling with grief or pain or trauma or addiction, and uh, to set aside a special space just for them, because a lot of times the rest of the youth ministry, you know, you're you're doing a three week series, a four week series, and then you're moving on from a set of content uh, content. And so we wanted to create something where there was enough space to really process uh, what was going on in their lives. Um, so we launched that a bunch of years ago, seven-ish years ago. Um, and that's what actually uh, sent me back to grad school was we started running it and realizing I, I needed help. And, um, and so we wrote the curriculum and, and uh, we published the curriculum with David C. Cook in July of 2020. Um, and, and so... Um, yeah, that, that's kind of where it got started. And this is a, a great website, listeners. Listen to me. If you go to rallypointmen.com, just there'll be a link down in the description. And they have a lot of great uh, tools there. Uh, they, they have the leadership toolkit, absolutely free. All you do is sign up for it. 
uh, it'll get delivered into your inbox. Uh, great programs like the Belay program and the Regroup, which is what we're going to talk about today. Uh, and then they have also things like counseling. If you yourself are a little hurt, a little broken, and you need some counseling, uh, then that is also something that Rally Point affords to you. But if you're just looking for maybe just some some clarity in your ministry, they do offer coaching as well. So I invite you to go to rallypointmen.com and check out all the resources. Now, uh, I mentioned Regroup, and Regroup is what we want to talk about today, Bobby. We're talking about this fantastic book, which is written to really help kids that are going through, a, 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 you know, brokenness, addiction, uh, all kinds of things. And, 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 and the listeners, maybe if you're, if you're hearing this, you're saying, well, that sounds a little bit like, you know, Celebrate Recovery or something like that. Uh, Bobby, go ahead and break it down uh, for the listeners and give us kind of the snapshot, and then we'll kind of dive into it as we go. Yeah. So uh, when I talk with folks, I usually actually start a step back. So you could use Celebrate Recovery as, a, as an example, but I, I usually start a step back because what happens, especially with youth pastors, is there's this culture of I'm going to meet with a young person, but if their issue is significant and I have to meet with them more than three times, I'm going to refer them to the professionals. And I and I, that was the kind of kind of youth pastor I was. That was how I was taught in, in college. And now that I am the professional that people refer to, I realize I actually desperately need the youth pastor. And the reason is, as the therapist, it's my job to coach the mental and emotional parts of a young person. But in the church is found kind of this spiritual healing and a lot of the social healing. And I can't actually provide those things in, in therapy. So what Regroup is, is it is a curriculum, a manual that helps equip a youth pastor to feel confident to stay engaged with people with significant issues that are going on. Um, and in particular, to help them have a framework for walking through the spiritual healing. So when somebody comes to me for therapy, you know, depending on the diagnosis, uh, I have a, a bunch of different kinds of prescriptions, different therapeutic models, different kinds of things that I'm going to walk somebody through based on the diagnosis. But the beautiful thing about spiritual life is the fact that all problems boil down to one thing, which is sin, brokenness, and all solutions also boil down to one thing, which is Jesus, forgiveness, redemption. So the prescription stays the same all the time which is amazing. And, and it's the, a, a huge part of healing to find your identity, meaning, and purpose, which is what we do in our, in our spiritual lives. And so Regroup is meant to equip ministry leaders to help people walk through that spiritual healing process, not meant to replace therapy or doctors or um, you know, school. It, it, it's meant to help with that healing, um, the spiritual healing of, of people who are hurting. Right. Well, the, the same things I heard as well, you know, that if it was above my pay grade, so, so to speak, you know, that you should really refer. And by the way, in certain cases, that is absolutely something you should do. We're, we, you know, in certain cases of, you know, active abuse and things like that. Yes, you got you have to call DHR or whatever your, your program is where you have to call social services and things like this. But regroup is about the recovery phase. It's, it's about recovering from incidences and, and past hurts and wounds and uh, things of that nature. Uh, and you've laid it out very well in the book uh, that anybody can follow. I know there's some youth workers, maybe they're, they're maybe trying to overthink this or think that maybe, you know, they have to be a, a therapist or, or have a PhD in this. Could you, could you help alleviate some of those fears that, listen, this is a, a lot simpler than maybe what you think it is? In fact, no one who has ever led has been a therapist so far. 
We'll see if somebody does. Maybe now that I said that out loud, there'll be some therapists who pick it up. Now I've let it and I am now a therapist, but uh, I was not a therapist at any point while actually leading. I, I handed it off to a volunteer uh, before I got my licensure. So uh, it has always been lay led. Well, that is certainly, that is good news to the people listening, uh, that it's easy to get in. Uh, and and just tell me a little bit about, about the training, about you know what, what the leaders kind of go through and how, how simple it is that leaders can get started in this. It is really easy to get started. You can always get better. So there's no, uh, I don't think there's a point where you cap out on your ability, knowledge, uh, or skill. But the entry is really simple. I, I think there's really, um, you know, in, in the curriculum that we, that we provide, it's two weeks of training that gets the majority of, of your leaders up to speed. So we, that's how we've always done it, two, uh, two hour sessions um, with folks. And the person, so usually what we've done is we've had a group of mentors and we try to, we've always tried to keep kind of a, a one to three ratio of, of leaders to, to students, other way around, students to leaders. Um, and, um, and that just has given the space for, for real mentorship in that space. Cause it, it, the, the people who come to this kind of program need more individual attention, but the actual training to get folks up to speed is you have to know what to do in the case of an emergency. And then there are two five point, um, frameworks that we encourage people to learn. Uh, and one you learn before the first week and the other you learn as we go. And so, um, it really, if, if you can remember a total of 11 things, you can lead this, uh, this ministry. Okay. Now that, now that we've established that the ease of entry is there, that there, there's, you know, the bar is not too high to get involved. And this is done by lay leaders, um, people that you train in your youth ministry. I know that maybe youth workers, uh, their gears are spinning and saying, man, I got some hurting people in my group. And there's, you know, I need a small group of, you know, uh, two or three kids I know that are going to you know, gravitate towards this. If I said, Hey, we're starting a small group and we want you to be a part of it. And, uh, you know, I know, I know I can get some lay leaders and, uh, to get this done, but how do you see it fitting into a youth ministry program? Cause I know there's a lot of youth workers thinking, okay, well, I do small groups and where would this kind of, you know, fit and all that. Give, give us the breakdown of how a youth pastor could begin to facilitate this in their youth ministry. There are two ways that we've seen, uh, youth ministries use the curriculum really successfully. Uh, one is by integrating it into their regular teaching cycle one time. Um, and the other is by setting aside a separate night uh, where they're going to run this kind of on repeat, similar to, to Celebrate Recovery or CR, um, where you have a Tuesday. We did ours on Tuesday nights and we repeated a 12-week cycle three times a year with three, four-week breaks and a couple of other weeks off. Um, for us, that was the easiest way to engage lots of students, but we also did it actually the following year at summer camp. We did a five-day version of uh, the same thing. And a couple of weeks ago, I did a weekend retreat with a college ministry where we walked through all of those things. So the thing is that the actual framework for healing is really simple. The hard part is it takes time to implement. So you can teach it quickly, but the best ministry is one where there's time involved in doing each of the tools um, really adequately, like um, doing the assessment, doing it as an inventory, and doing the full inventory. So you, you don't whip through it. You actually think through every instance of pain in your life, which takes a long time. It really, it really does. And so, and, and the older you are, the longer it takes, to be honest. 
So um, honest truth is, is a lot of times we'd actually hand these out. Uh, this is a sidebar, but we'd hand we'd hand these out in pairs, the student and the parents, and we'd say, hey, it'd be best if you walk through this together as a family, because parents would be like, you know, how can I be supportive? Like, if you healed, your kid would also heal. So if you're willing to take that lead for real, then here's a copy, and and, and we do that. So this is kind of the two ways that we've seen it framed up really, really well by by different ministries. Man, I love the versatility. I love the versatility of this program because you spoke everything in my language there that it can be used on your weekly nights. It can be broken down into retreat. It can be broken down into camp. Uh, so many different various and uses for this. And what I also love about it is that you taught it to the whole group because I can see teaching something like this to a whole group uh, which is going to help, in my eyes at least, those who are not dealing with serious issues. Or not, I mean, everybody deals with something. Let's put it that way. Every student deals with something. Not everybody deals with the same issue to the, to the nth degree, maybe that a certain student that would need a particular small group or uh, that kind of intensified time to kind of process through this. But what I do see it doing is, uh, is, is allowing students to become more empathetic, to hear what's being said, but it's also laying a foundation for future. Like if, you know, just because a kid doesn't have a problem today doesn't mean they're not going to have a problem a month from now or a week, you know, a year from now or five years from now, but they've heard this and now they have a foundation, a, a place to work. For. And I heard you mention about having a framework uh, for, for this. And I would love to hear more about that. I know our listeners would love to hear more about the framework that you actually walk through and what the journal, uh, helps provide. Could, could you do that for our listeners? So when I said there are two frameworks that you need to know, this is one of two. And probably the folks that are most helped by it are parents. Um, I can't I can't say the number of times where I've spent two minutes explaining a little bit about this that a parent goes, oh, right. And so it, it goes like this. Uh, there are five stages of change. And uh, this is a scientific model. I did not invent the model. Prochaska and DiClemente invented the model for addiction back in the 70s. Um, we've kind of worked through it and normalized the language and kind of taken some of the psychological babble out of it a little bit, made it a little more accessible. But it's the same model, and it, and and so it's it's um, proven over a long period of time. Um, but there are five stages plus relapse, and the five stages are uh, the first one we call it hiding, and this is where somebody um, does not acknowledge that they are they are that there is a change that needs to be made. So maybe they, they don't think there is a problem. Maybe they don't believe the problem's big enough. Maybe the problem's not them. Um, maybe they've tried to fix the problem before and uh, don't think they can. And so they've given up. Um, so this is, you know, in, in your ministry, um, perhaps this has happened to you. This happens to me all the time in counseling. And it happened to me a lot in youth group where a parent would come to me and say something to the effect, it actually comes now in email form most of the time. And it says something like, fix my kid. They're the problem. They're messed up. And then, so then you're set up with this glorious, you're in this great position and the student meets you and they know that the parent has said this to you and told you all of their flaws. And so they come to you with their arms crossed and they're like, "I, the problem is my mom. It's not me. It's not that big a deal. Everybody's doing it, right? That's the young person who's in that first stage. And... Um, and so there's a simple set of tools that I use that are different. I'll, maybe I'll come back to the tools. I'll go through the stages and come back to some of the techniques that I use. Uh, 
The second stage is the thinking stage. This is where I've acknowledged there is a problem, but I'm not sure I'm going to do anything about it. If I do, it's probably six months out. Maybe, maybe this is a big enough problem. This is where, you know, in the addiction model, it's where an alcoholic says, yeah, I've been drinking too much, probably drinking too much, but they're not yet ready to make a change there. They, they've acknowledged a thing, but they don't really see the gravity of the consequences yet. You know, um, somebody who's having an affair doesn't really see the damage on the marriage yet. It's that sort of thing. Um, and it, it, it happens literally that the, I should also caveat, the stages of change are any kind of change. So you want to stop biting your nails. I'm using some big examples, but it's any kind of change. You, um, you know, I want to start reading my Bible more. I want to um, start a new business, any change. These are the stages that we go through. So uh, the second stage is that thinking stage. The third stage is the preparation stage. I'm preparing. I know there's a problem. I'm going to do something about it. And right now I need to count the cost. And um, it's a really critical stage that often gets jumped past from I decided to make a change to I'm making a change. But when we do that, if we don't count the cost, our chance of relapse is significantly higher. So in our ministry, it was uh, I remember the very first time I realized the need to understand the stage was we had somebody who came to uh, regroup our, our, our regroup program and we were celebrating every week that they had stopped self-harming. And then weeks turned into months, months turned into six months, six months turned into a year. And then somebody else came and was like, hey, I don't know if you've checked out this young person's Snapchat, and, uh, but they're doing a lot of uh, drugs. And it was like, oh, like my view of drugs, we live in Illinois where it's legal. It's kind of a weird, but an addiction that hijacks your life is an addiction regardless of what the addiction is. It can be your phone. Um, an addiction that, that uh, you have no control over, you're using as a coping tool, and it's causing problems in the rest of your life, that's an addiction to me. And they had just swapped. They had just changed from self-harm to drugs. And they had not counted the cost of what that self-harm had been doing for them to help them deal with their anxiety and their suicidal ideation. And in order to cope, they just swapped things. So those celebrations felt a little bit cheaper when we realized that, right? It's really important for somebody who wants to make a change to realize it costs something to make a change. Whatever you're doing right now to cope with your current situation is your friend, good friend or bad. It's a friend and to cut a friend out of your life hurts. And so um, it's really important to go, oh, if I'm going to stop you know, self-harming, there's a huge adrenaline rush. There's an endorphin rush it comes from self-harming that is overwhelms a sense of anxiety. Some people like that. If I'm not going to have that anymore, what am I going to do instead in those moments of profound anxiety? Right? We have to think that through. So that's what the preparing stage is all about. Um, action stage, this is where you actually do the change. And then maintenance stage is where you put in the systems of accountability that keep you from falling backwards. The other thing I would say is almost all sermons and almost all parents talk to people as if they are in stages four or five. So here's what you need to do, right? You need to do this. And then every parent is like, I told them exactly what would fix the problem and they just won't do it and i say yeah and i literally they've never heard stages change i'm like that's because your son or your daughter is in stage one or two and they're like what and i'm like you're talking to them as if they're in stage four they're in stage one or two and then we go back and, and talk through that and they go 
Oh, yeah, you're spending so much of your energy and all of this disappointment because your, your kid is not ready for the change. And so if you can use the right techniques to walk through those five stages, uh, you'll be much better off and you'll be a whole lot less frustrated as a parent or ministry leader. Bobby, that is just straight money, man. It, it, listen, you're listening to this. I want you to, I want I need you to go back. I need you to stop it and rewind and listen to this section again, youth workers, because if, if you're not taking notes here, uh, I can't help you. Bobby can't help you. You, you got to take notes on these things. You, you got to, you got to listen and say, okay, what the five stages of change. Okay. What is it? Let's, let's get this down because if you're not writing it down, I'm going to question whether or not you're really looking for help or not, because we've all heard it. I've heard it, you know, where we says, Hey, why wasn't youth group fixing my kid? And I've had to tell them says, look, I'm not even sure your son knows Jesus. I'm not even sure he believes in God. And they're at stage one and two of that spiritual journey. And yet they want youth group to fix something that hasn't even begun yet, uh, fix a problem that's not even begun to be dealt with. And so I think that's super critical that you just broke that down. But here's another piece of the puzzle that I think we don't consider. And that's when you talked about relapse. I know that there, there are preachers in the world who don't even, there's no such thing as relapse. There's there's nothing but you're just going to go up the mountain forever. Uh, and, and there's no relapse. There's there's none of that going on. But, but tell us a little bit about the relapse part of that, because I think if we prepare ourselves for that phase or that stage of growth, then I think we're, we're going to be healthier as youth workers and not uh, so often disappointed by uh, a student's journey. Uh, if everything was all up, then we should really probably talk to Peter because Peter experienced relapse after Jesus was risen, right? Jesus had to go back and say, hey, you're fishing again, man. And he had this rest restorative uh, experience where he came back and he asked, right? He, he said like, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And he restored a bad memory that Peter had, right? And uh, there's a really similar thing that happens to us. Like when we are trying to make a change, relapse is common. It doesn't have to happen. It doesn't happen to everybody. But it is not. It is also not a sign of total defeat. And so, again, especially with something like, um, you know, recovering from an addiction or self-harm or something like that, the reality is if you made it six days clean, then you are six days cleaner than you were before. And now let's shoot for seven. If you've made it six months, now let's shoot for six months in a day. You have proven that you have what it takes, that you have learned a set of skills that have kept you clean this long. So now let's just build on that. Let's let's start over. Let's not give up. Let's not, you know, this happens really commonly with pornography addictions where you're like, oh, I'm the worst. I, I mean, I might as well not have done anything. And you're like, well, you actually, you know, managed to beat this addiction for three months. That's something to say, like, I did, I did something. And so it's really important with, with this kind of work um, to talk about relapse on the front end, because you can alleviate a lot of that shame. And what ha stopped happening for us, at least, is people stopped hiding the relapse. Because if you've made it six months clean of anything, and then you break, there's a ton of shame when you go back to the community that's supporting you when you say, yeah, I broke. And that's not what we want. We want people to feel like there is accountability in this group. And so we want to hold you accountable because we're trying to help. But we're not going to shame you when you break. Um, we're going to help empower you and, and say like, okay, what was the thing that set you over the edge? And how can we 
How can we assess that trigger and help you work through that? Now, I hope that youth workers are not doing this, and I hope there's no uh, eye rolling or, or this or that, because I know that there's a lot of uh, uh, therapists, maybe v- uh, verbiage in here and those kind of things. And if you just take apart, take this the five stages, youth workers, and apply that to just spiritual development, apply it to discipleship, you're going to, you're going to, your eyes are going to just open wide and go, wow, that's totally true uh, about you know, a kid starting from nowhere and getting to somewhere because, you know, kids are going to go through this relapse phase after they commit to Christ. And, you know, they, they feel like maybe they've not, you know, they've not done their best and they're afraid, you know, they don't come back to youth group or they made a big commitment at camp and uh, they can't confess that they, you know, fell off the wagon or, or whatever that is. You know, but this goes beyond that. I, I hope that you'll take the process and, and apply it to your youth ministry, if you don't learn anything else, you just you just learn the five stages of change and how to apply that to students in your youth ministry. But I would ask you, Bobby, take it one step further now, and, and because I heard you talking about the key being, you know, with parents, you know, letting parents get in on this thing and being able to uh, facilitate this at home as well, because that's the that's the deal. If we're we're being really honest, we we as youth workers have a a small piece in this spiritual development, but parents have a huge piece in this development. How do you see that playing out and how can youth workers really, really lean into that? Yeah, exactly. And especially when you have, uh, again, you have a person who you want to start having spiritual conversations with in general. Um, the keys are the same thing. So you you have, let's say, either situation. If I am talking to somebody who is at work who at the beginning is not open to spiritual conversations at all. Or if I'm a parent whose kid is rebelling against my family faith, both times I would recommend the exact same first set of techniques, which is you got to join the team. That's what we do in stage one. We join the team and we create a space to create some doubt. So if I was to talk about that student who, uh, this happens to me all the time again in therapy where a parent says, fix my kid. My very first technique and this is, it sounds so, I mean, it's, it sounds manipulative. It's really not, maybe it is, but it's not, I mean, maybe it's, it's manipulation for good. What I do is I join the team. So what I do with a young person is I say, oh, wow, it sounds like, and I do this. So I'll say stuff, you know, in front of the parent to make sure I affirm what I understand. Maybe the parent is still there. Um, And then I'll say, hey, can I talk to this young person alone for a few minutes? Uh, before the session's over, the parent walks out and I say, okay, so here's what your mom said, this, 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 and this. What's the real story? And it's a funny sentence because it gives a sense of freedom that I'm on their team, right? I'm actually not denying anything that mom said. And if you're a parent and you're listening, I'm not a therapist who's undercutting you. What I'm trying to do is join the team. And if I let that young person voice their perspective and I reflect back what they just said to me and I say, oh, it sounds like mom says, you know, you're sneaking out, you're doing this, you're, you're doing things that are against the family morals. And, and then what I hear from you is mom, it feels like you're being controlled all the time. You're being belittled. You feel like your voice doesn't matter. That stinks. And all of a sudden I've heard mom's perspective. I've heard the kid's perspective and I'm on the team. Right. And that's the key to stage one. And then I create a little bit of doubt, which is the other technique in stage one. And I say, what if the problem isn't that mom's controlling? She's just scared for you. 
And the problem isn't that you're disobedient and, and rebelling, but you're just individuating. And the actual problem is that the two of you can't talk about it. What if that's the problem? Could we work on that problem together? And all of a sudden, I've created enough doubt in both people's minds about their own space that we can now explore a real issue. And I'm on the team. And, and that, that's what I do. I mean, that's that's what we do in stage one with folks who are in stage one. It's the same thing in, in spiritual life, too. It's like, oh, it sounds like, you know, you've struggled with the idea of of death or you you it sounds like you're really going through a, a sense of trying to figure out your purpose and am i hearing that right because because it sounds like this this is and all of a sudden i'm on the team because i listen really well you won't be on the team if you start with stage four stuff so if you hear that problem mom says that you're getting you're sneaking out at night mom says you're still okay you need to stop sneaking out at night you're disobeying the your the governing authority you're disrespecting your parents if i start there I'm not on the team and I will never earn the right to have a voice. So I start by listening, reflecting back what they said and creating doubt. And then I'm on the team. Let me ask you a question, youth workers. Are you on the, are you on the team? <laughs> are you, are you on the outside looking in or are you on the team trying to help facilitate solutions? Cause if you're, you know, coming from the perspective of, of that, you just want teenagers to stop doing things. You're starting at stage uh, three or four versus one or two. And I want to say, Bobby, too, I don't think anything that you said uh, is manipulatory. I mean, because I think there are techniques that you have to use to get into position to be able to speak life-giving truth to people. And, you know, uh, you know, there are things that therapists do that are techniques so that a conversation can be had. And I think youth workers, if you're listening to this, don't think of this as we're, we're not, there's no manipulation going on. They're simply using a technique so that you can find a way onto the team so that you can speak life-giving truth to where you're not on the outside looking in at the problem and you're actually on the team in the locker room helping coach students and parents through whatever issue that they're going through. As we start to land the plane, so to speak there, Bobby, I want to get in, go back to the book. I want to go back to the regroup, uh, the personal journal, and also the group leader guide. These are beautifully laid out. Lots of places for journaling, lots of places for kids to be able to answer questions, be able to work through these processes you're talking about. You know, there's a, there's a section that goes through three things, right? What, what they did, how that made me feel, and then describe that in a word. And then you have a page that is filled with these words that students can choose from, right? It can be alone, anxious, afraid, betrayed, uh, broken, despised, uh, depressed, uh, hopeless, lots of words here. And then in the back of that journal, I love how you, you put this, you took all of those, uh, all of those words. And for each word, uh, you have provided scripture there for students to be able to say, oh, so if I feel this way, well, there's a, there's a scriptural, uh, reference to be able to help talk about that, right? If I'm uh, nervous or if I'm not good enough or if I'm not in control, there you put lots of scripture back there to point kids back to the word so that they can have, uh, once again, a foundation of saying, oh, so from God's perspective or from a, a spiritual perspective, this is where I'm at. This is where I could be. This is what God's encouraged me uh, to be as part of my healing process. 
so go ahead and give some youth workers some tips because once again, I said the book is great, the the journal is great, uh, the regroup leaders guide goes through all the processes, all the things you do to to get this thing rolling. But I want you to talk about: uh, Are there any tips? Any things that kid, youth workers are thinking right now? Well, how do I launch this thing? How do I get this thing moving? Do you have any final tips for them uh, if they're thinking about launching a regroup in their youth ministry? Yeah, I I, I think uh, what I would say is two probably two things. The first is the the kids in your ministry are hurting with the given the the historical context we're living in this year with 2020 behind us um, with everything happening with the uh, with George Floyd and and wherever you land on political things, it, it, your kids are experiencing, um, I would say, national and global trauma. And so this stuff can help. And whether that's the stuff or not, we're seeing anxiety rates go up at an unprecedented rate. We're seeing depression go up at an unprecedented. So there are kids. The chances of your kids not experiencing pain are almost I. I think <laughs> there's there's a crazy number out there that I heard that 83% of young people can be diagnosed with something right now. That's actually a sign of a bad mental health world, but um, it, it is a little bit wild. Uh, the, the key is kids, young people need your help managing their anxiety. So I don't care if you pick up our program or not. I, what I do care is that you follow after Jesus's example to help those who are hurting. Um, and if you're interested in just an easy non-purchase way to enter, we have a toolkit that we give out for free that's on our website. That's rallypointmin.com slash toolkit. You can go there and sign up and it gives you access to all of our free handouts that maybe there's stuff in there uh, that I would actually recommend starting with. And, and um, if you're if you're uh, afraid to start with a purchase, we, we want you to feel equipped. And so that will help you with some of the, the different pieces we've talked about, the, the mental, spiritual, um, physical, emotional quadrants. We give a, a questionnaire that you can use to like go deeper in, in uh, with questions and conversations with with a young person. Um, there's a whole bunch of things, and we try to put a new resource in there every week. So um, it's a growing library of, of one-off things that that uh, that are free that we'd love for you to check out too. Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic resource. And and let me encourage you, listeners, be sure to go over and subscribe to Bobby's podcast. Uh, the Rally Point Men podcast, because they have some tremendous guests. Uh, they also have, after every episode, uh, they have like a little worksheet, something that's a tool that you can use along with that to be able to uh, work through what you just heard. Uh, Bobby, talk a little bit about some of the guests that you've had. Yeah, we've had some really outstanding guests talking a lot, like two weeks ago. Oh, well, I don't know when this will air, but we had somebody on PTSD Somebody come in and was a chaplain who for 30 years talking about grief and dealing with dying and somebody talking about suicide assessments who oversees suicide assessments in our uh, in our county. Um, and then we have some some fantastic leaders in youth ministry like Paul, um, several professors at, at a couple of different schools. And so, yeah, we've had a blast recording and I've learned a ton from the folks we've had on. So we'd love to be able to pass that on to you as well. Well, Bobby, I know that I have learned a ton from you today. Uh, and I know that our listeners have as well. I know they have. And so I want you to tell people a little bit more about how uh, people can get in touch with you. All the links, uh, youth workers, are going to be in the show notes. So if you want to get to um, the Rally Men podcast, the Leadership Toolkit, everything that Bobby's talked about, uh, those all be down in the show notes. Bobby, where can people 
catch up with you on the interwebs. Yeah, yeah. The rally point stuff is rally point min. Um, so M I N is the the last bit. Um, and we have a, a U version um, Bible reading plan out, so you can look us up if you just type in regroup into the Bible reading um, plans. You'll find us there. Uh, me personally, my handles are. <laughs> It, there's a story behind it, uh, but it's Bobby Action Jackson. Uh, it's a, a whole other story for another podcast, but uh, that's that's my handle on on LinkedIn, on uh, on Instagram, and on Facebook. Bobby, thank you again for being on the podcast today. I know that youth workers have gotten a ton of value from this today. How could they not? You, you've shared a tremendous insight into the world of hurting and broken kids and how to uh, be able to reach those kids and how to be able to work with them to work through the hurt and the pain that they are feeling through the regroup program. So I hope that youth workers will go and check out your stuff. And um, once again, all the links in the show notes. Thank you again so much, Bobby, for being on the podcast today. It's been my privilege. Thank you so much for having me. And that is it, guys. Thank you so much for joining me today for the podcast. Hope that you got tremendous value from it. If you did, would you please go on over to iTunes and leave a review there? Uh, I'll be happy to read all the five-star reviews uh, that I get. And uh, and reach out to Bobby uh, at all his social handles, Bobby Action Jackson, which I love. Uh, reach out to him and thank him for being on the show today. So uh, that's it for today, guys. Uh, once again, we're going to start getting into some more fall-type things, planning, goal-setting, all that kind of good stuff uh, real soon. I hope that you guys have a fantastic summer. And uh, I'll catch you guys in the next episode.